Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And in your nest, Marjorie, there's got to be a little boom chicka boom boom going on in there or you're going to have some troubles. And let's just do a disclaimer from the beginning. Mom, you should not listen to this episode. (laughs) Yes, please. Anybody related to us, including our husbands, don't listen to this episode. No, I mean, I like that you call uh, sex in the Reese household what was it? Boom, chicka, boom, boom. I, if I, if Jay ever heard me say that, he'd be like, "What? What? What are you talking about?" Yeah. It just, it just came to me in that moment, <laughs> and I just went with it. Well, we were talking a little bit last week. We were talking about effective communication, especially during COVID. And at the end of the podcast, we started talking about sex because sex in any healthy relationship has to be there. And so I think we were talking about communication because I think if if you aren't having healthy communication, you can hear my hesitancy even in talking about this. But if you're not having healthy communication about sex, there is no way I think you can have healthy communication about anything else. Well, I honestly it, believe that. Interesting that you say like even uh, let's go back a little bit further, even where you talk about the hesitancy of your voice and talking about it. Now, I don't know how you are with your girlfriends. But I mean, I don't talk about sex a ton with my friends. And that idea of like the whole funny that we're bringing this up because I was just discussing rewatching sex in the city. Right. With, with my sister. I was saying, Oh, I think I want to rewatch it before the reboot comes out and I want to see how it holds up. And in that show, their friends, they talked about sex so much. Yeah. And it's not a topic of conversation that happens a lot with my friends. And I think. Some of it is maybe because I'm such good friends with a lot of my friends' husbands. Like, we spend a lot of time (laughs) together with them. It's not like my girlfriends are people that I, like, don't know their husbands and their families. I I think I talk about sex more with people when I don't know their husbands because if I know their husbands, frankly, I don't want to picture them having sex. It's weird. (laughs) It's No, I mean, that's so funny that you talk about sex in the city. I don't remember ever having an intimate conversation about sex with any girlfriend ever. Yeah. Ever. And, and and I think if you and I talked about sex, it was because of the radio show, but we've never sat down and talked about our sex lives. I don't well, have any even, idea how many times a week you guys have sex. I'm not sure <laughs> I want to know. And it may come up in this podcast, but this is quite embarrassing. But when you think about how weird that is, Elizabeth, that with our girlfriends, we're not talking about it. It's one of the most foundational things in any relationship. So you're sort of left to figure it out sort of quietly on your own if you're having problems to figure out a way to communicate with your, with whoever you're partnered with or a therapist. 
Yeah. Because I don't know a lot of women. Certainly, I don't have any girlfriends that are like talking to me about their sex lives for sure. No, I don't either. And maybe other girlfriends are. I mean, and maybe you have better friends than we do because we're not <laughs> talking about it. I do know in therapy, they definitely ask, even when that is not the issue that you're going to therapy oh, yeah. for, it is always something that they're asking about, like, how do you feel about this? And to sort of gauge if one person is feeling like their sex life is not the way that they want it to be versus maybe other people are. And I mean, we can talk in general terms. If you generalized a heterosexual relationship, I think in most of them, you would find that the men want to be having more sex and the women are kind of like... Okay. And that, I think, can be a stereotype. But I think particularly when you're in a time when you have little kids, the one thing we will talk about with my girlfriends is like, oh, gosh, it's just a lot. You feel like a lot. You feel like there's a lot of pressure on you and your body and like everybody needs something from you at any given time. And I am speaking from a woman. I am nursing right now. So I am giving life from my body all the time. And then sometimes I'm not really that interested in somebody else having their paws on me. And that's just, uh, it's just like there are seasons of, of how it's going. But, and I think that that's, that's the, that's the key part of it, that there are seasons. I mean, I, I have had many seasons because I'm older than you and, as I'm thinking about this, it's like, no, I'm not going to say that. No, I'm not going to say that. No, I'm like self-editing in my head already. <laughs> but to your point, I think for me, the most difficult time was when I had young children. Yeah. Because it just, I, I adore my husband. I am sexually attracted to my husband. But when you are so, so tired, and I think you put it exactly right, you've got other, your body is serving other functions, like really important functions, it's hard to say, oh, now it's now it's for sexual pleasure. I know. I know. It's, and it's, when it's, you it's think really about it, hard. I think there is like a biological conversation about this where I had a baby four months ago. My body does not want to get pregnant again, right? I mean, right. and right. we have taken measures to ensure that that will not happen. But oh, that's that being said, though. when you look at like, the understanding, I, I think you can give yourself a little bit of a break if you're sort of going, okay, it's not something wrong with me at this point. It's just feeling like there's something within me that's saying like, your body doesn't want you to get pregnant. Your body right. doesn't want you to get pregnant that fast after having another baby. It's just hard on your system. You know, your doctor right. will tell you, hey, try not to get pregnant for at least a year if you're going to have another baby. But, and so there are, there are also hormonal reasons of why you're not constantly thinking about having sex. Right. Right. I was thinking about when I was growing up. So I went to a, a Catholic grammar school mm-hmm. in Chicago. At the time, it was predominantly a lot of Irish Catholic, fairly traditional Catholic families. So a lot of big families. Lots of kids. And and I lots of kids. And that's not so true within the Catholic, American Catholicism anymore. I mean, I think people are using birth control, even though I think it's still against Catholic doctrine. Yeah. But in those days, you know, there were a substantial amount of families that had four or more kids, mm-hmm. some seven, eight kids. And I remember looking at those families and thinking, oh, my God, like, I would never want to have sex again. (laughs) Like, when you think about, like, can you imagine, like, every time you had sex, 
I mean, eight children, Elizabeth. Yeah. Eight years of pregnancy. Right. How would that not bleed into your psyche about the joy of sex? Well, and it depends on, I mean, exactly, because now when you see big, really big families, it seems like it's a very intentional choice Choice. by that family to do it. And so they're saying to themselves, this is the life that we want. This is the family that we want to create. And so we're doing it. When you're having that many kids, because you are told by your religious organization that there's nothing you can do to prevent it, that makes it a lot trickier and you're a lot more likely to be in a situation where you're a little bit more resentful of that impacting your life and what your family looks like. Oh, my mom tells, and I'll have to ask her about this story again, but in my memory, the story was she had had four girls in five years. She's Catholic. Yeah. Um, They were trying the rhythm method, so, which... That's dicey yeah. at best. Right. And, well, right there, we had, she had four kids in five years. The rhythm right. method was not working for it them. It wasn't working for them. No. So she tells the story of going, clipping all of our nails, like all of our nails, which if you have young children, trying to clip their nails is beyond hard. Clipping all of our nails and going, because she had gone to her priest and said, I, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. And he's like, I'm sorry. This is, you know, these are the teachings of the church. And I have to check and see if this story is true, that she just dumped all of our nails on his desk, <laughs> which sounds so bizarre, but like, I can't do this. Look at this mess. I can't do this. Oh my and it gosh. sounds so bizarre and sort of out of her head. But doesn't that make complete sense for a really tired mother yes. who has four young children who's also trying to have a career? Now, mind you, this is in the like late 60s, early 70s. My mom's trying to have a career and she's like out of her head. Now, out I'm going to check. I'm going to check the validity of that story because it sounds as I speak of it, it sounds so bizarre to me. But it also sounds like the ravings of a mad woman. Yeah. Who, yeah. who I think you would be. Who's exhausted and desperate to show something to show you that this is why I can't do it. To have some sort of like piece of evidence to go with. You know, my mom told me that she, when she had all of us, so she had three girls in five years. Yeah. And so we were five, two and a baby. And she said that she would sit on the stairs. And I mean, she went. She didn't go to work for a while with me, but then after my youngest sister, she went back to work after like six weeks. I I don't even understand what was happening. Right. And she would leave for work and the house would be clean and she would come home and it would be a just a complete disaster because they didn't send us to daycare or anything. It was just like swapping parents. And she said she remembers sitting on the stairs with a split level house. So you walked into this little entryway and you could go up or down and she sat on the stairs and cried. And yeah. thought she just wanted 24 hours where no one touched her. No, yeah. not a single person touched her. Yeah. So when you get back to, I mean, our original conversation of like what sex can feel like in those years when you have those children and you have so much demanding on you, it, it's no wonder that that is the thing that falls by the wayside because right. here's a newsflash. Like you can't tell the children not to touch you. You can say to your husband, Hey, maybe tomorrow. Just not yeah. today. And then, and then tomorrow becomes tomorrow and tomorrow right. and tomorrow. Right. And so I was reading this article and this is what sort of precipitated this discussion by a woman named Rebecca Lieb. And she was talking about sex with her husband and how they were floundering a little bit and the, their sex life was suffering because of a combination of things. One, sexual anxiety, which 
nobody ever talks about. Right. I mean, like, I mean, I think people probably talk about it with their therapist. I shouldn't say nobody ever talks about it. I don't know. I wouldn't feel comfortable talking about sexual anxiety with my friends. Mm-hmm. I think as women, sometimes we'll talk about, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a little embarrassed about my body or something like that. But that's yeah. sort of the cliche, sexual anxiety. There's so much more. There are so many more levels to that than I think people feel comfortable talking about. Yeah, particularly so, if there's if there's past sexual trauma. Oh my god. And goodness. then how that can manifest itself later on in your relationships. I mean, that can be very difficult for people. It could be devastating. It can yeah. be and and that's something that you might not discover until you're well into a relationship with mm-hmm. somebody. And so that's got to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, the author also talks about sexual communication, which I'd never really, you know, that's between partners. And I would say, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, that that's something my husband is pretty good at. No big surprise. He is definitely the communicator of our family. Right. But there are lots of people who I think we could, if you really tried to think about girlfriends or guy friends that you know and you think they have trouble communicating about the most basic issues in running a household, how possibly is that couple communicating about sex? Right. They're probably not. Right. And then also just frequency. I think that's a topic a lot of women, particularly when the kids are little, don't want to talk about how infrequently they're having sex and they feel like if I just don't bring it up to my husband, maybe he's not thinking about it either. Guess what? He probably is. He is. But you don't like to talk about it. You don't like to say, oh, gosh, sorry, honey, we haven't had sex in three weeks because maybe he'll say, well, yeah, let's get to it. And then you're like, well, I really don't feel like it. Yeah. So it's just better like not to talk about it. Let's not talk about how much it's happening or not I know. Happening. And FYI, if you do say if your husband brings up how long it's been since you've had sex, he will exaggerate it to be longer and you will exaggerate it to be shorter. <laughs> I just want you to know. You know, <laughs> we do communicate about this quite a bit and there will be, you know, listen, we like we have babies. We we talk about it all the time and it's it, it how it is and and Jay will be like, "Ah, uh, okay, what's going on? It's been like 2 months." And I'm like, "It's been like 2 weeks. Would you tone it down?" <laughs> Well, I remember in the baby, like in when I was deeply immersed in baby raising, I remember at one point I was so tired. I was so tired all the time because I was working so hard at the same yeah. time and I was yeah. just juggling everything and commuting. And so I just remember like it would seem like it had only been like two days and he'd be like, it's been like two weeks. And it's like, no, that can't be right. <laughs> and so I remember like I used to put a like a little red dot in my calendar when we would have sex so that I could remember because I could never quite remember. And it always seemed for me, it always was less frequent than I thought it was. For sure. But, but for, it, it, yes. and so I could actually look at my calendar and go, oh, gosh, like, yeah, it's been some time. But <laughs> I mean, that's just what fatigue does to you. But so the the author's solution to this was a sexual checklist, which I found really interesting and something I never did. In terms of the yeah. the scheduling and all of that, but do you have any sort of sexual checklist, or is this sort of a new concept to you? Not and we'll really go through a what checklist. it is in a minute. Yeah, not really a checklist. I mean, I think like I think it's a good idea to have a conversation to to be intentional about having a conversation about how you're feeling about your sex life with your partner. Have that conversation when you're not in a heated moment or like somebody isn't feeling like rejected. You know what I mean? Because I think trying to have that conversation in a moment when like he's just said, hey, let's have sex. And you're saying, I'm not really in the zone. 
and then you get into that conversation is immediately yep. like you're you're at odds with each other. But the scheduling has absolutely happened in our house and will probably happen again. I mean, right. there have been times when we've had kids like I just can't stay up that late. I'm so right. tired. And I mean, to me, it's like once we get the kids to bed at this point in life and really every time we've had a baby until we get to where we have kids that are like two and a half that are sleeping and I only had like a year of that before then I had this last baby. His name is Heathcliff. He's a dreamboat. <laughs> but um, when when we've had that other time, we've scheduled lunchtime dates and been like pre-COVID when we weren't all working from home and we right. we both live really close and I'd be like, okay – like I could take take a lunch break and come and meet you because oh that's kind of fun it's totally fun and it just like keeps you more connected throughout the day they say and they're right that when you schedule it you're you like are more excited about it you're more like in the mood and you're kind of having conversations of like hey I'll see you tomorrow or whatever and then you also just make it happen. You're much more likely to make it happen if it's on the calendar versus not having it on the calendar. And so it kind of leads to like this increased connection time. And you have to find the time that works for you. I think everybody has this like idea from the movies that you're just going to like climb into bed every night, cuddle up and then have sex. Guess what? Like it doesn't work that way. And a lot of people like you're too effing tired, tired at night if you have two full-time yep. jobs and a million tiny children. <laughs> well, and that was, yeah, I mean, that that was always the hard thing, too, I think, when, when we were doing morning radio. It was like we knew we had to be up at 4.30 or 5 yeah. o'clock in the morning, and you're like, you're just looking at the clock like, I, I'm too tired, and I, I have to get, like, yes. five hours of sleep. I have and do you ever get, get panicky? Sleep. Like, I get panicky oh, yeah. about, like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I got I have to go to bed. I have to go. I have to go to bed. Oh, absolutely. But but this author, what I loved was this idea of this sex checklist. The one thing that she was recommending, and I'm going to read a little bit of it, because I think this is really important. And I didn't do this. But to all of you out there that are sort of in the thick of, of, of babies and everything else, I think this is a great idea. Monthly, make a review, make and review a sexual check-in. She writes, on the first of every month, my partner and I go through a list. This list is of our individual sexual needs and the sexual needs of our relationship. I want to emphasize that this isn't a casual stream of consciousness exercise, but a physical list on a sheet of paper that we review monthly. The list communicates our expectations for the month and lets us reconnect with our sexual satisfaction, milestones, and high points. I think this is so important. I think this is a really big deal. And I think most people will never do it. But I think if you did, this would is a game changer. Well, and she says, you know, at at the end of this article, as she's going through the other things that they do regularly in their sex life, she says, I know what you're thinking, girl, that's a lot. (laughs) And she said, and when I look at it in paragraph form, point taken, but it works for us. It's brought both of our anxiety down around sex. And in this article, she discusses the individual anxiety that they both brought to the relationship regarding sex and sexual experiences and all of that. So there is, I think in that relationship, there are, this is definitely on like the more complicated end of things. But I think even if your relationship isn't complicated, trust me, having been married for 35 years, there will be, even if it's the most normal marriage in the world, there will be discussions that you need to have. And I think men in particular, 
Well, men and women tend to withhold what they're really needing or feeling in terms of their sexual life. But if you're doing a a, a true check-in mm-hmm. once a month where this is the forum, this is the place that you get to talk about what you need in a non-threatening way. To your earlier point, this is not the discussion you want to have when your husband's trying to have sex with you. Yeah. that's This is the discussion you have. And I love that they do it at the beginning of the month. I mean, if it's a half hour... Think about that. I mean, if if just think about what that would mean if once a month for a half hour, you're just focused on the good, the bad of your sex life, what needs work, what doesn't, how someone feels heard or not heard. How could that not be? I think especially for men where they would get to feel like they get to be heard. Yeah for what they're needing or wanting. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you have to do it. It just means that it's the conversation of how to get to a place where it's it's both of you discussing what you need. I think I that's think true. Really yeah, that is a good idea. point. Yeah, I do. I like the idea. I think also, I mean, because I'm thinking of things we've had on the calendar, like a monthly money check-in, you know, where right. we do like a quick revision of the budget and, hey, are we missing anything? Do things, are we missing what we're spending on or whatever? And, and this can sort of be the same idea. And, and you're right. I mean, if you just have like a, you could do that about several things in your relationship. You could do it with regards to parenting where you kind of maybe like every week you have a little, a topic or something. And then you dedicate that half hour to talking about something that's an important aspect of your life and your relationship when it's not in the heat of a moment. You're not talking about parenting in a moment where like you've just yelled at your kid and you feel bad or some, you know, where it's just not heavy with like a recent emotion of however you're feeling either positive or negative about what that topic is. That's a good idea. It is a good idea. And I think from having been married, as long as I've been married, I have seen marriages dissolve and I've seen marriages, friends of ours whose marriages have fallen apart. And it's not because of any big drama. It's Mm -hmm. not because somebody cheated or somebody it's just because i think the communication stopped life got so busy and the marriage became a lower priority and if you're talking yeah. about marriage that usually means that sex became a lower priority mm-hmm. and i think having a monthly check-in i just think it's a cool idea because then it's saying as a couple and i think a, i think a lot of men would like to hear this from their wives or their partners look sex is a priority in this relationship and that's a way of saying that every month. This is a priority for us. It doesn't mean necessarily you're going to have more or less, but you're prioritizing the conversation. Because I think a lot of people don't want to talk about it because they don't want to necessarily do it because they're in some weird, not weird phase, they're in a baby phase or they're yeah. in a tired phase or whatever. Yeah. So the second thing she talks about goes back to what you were saying earlier is scheduled. Designate a night for sex. Yeah, or not a night. Because if nights don't work for you, don't feel right. bad about mornings. Noon times. It's actually, I should tell you, I will tell you this funny story briefly. So at, uh, at Twin Cities Live, we contribute to the noon newscast on channel 45 and we jokingly mm-hmm. call it, we call it the nooner. Who's taking right. care of the nooner? <laughs> who's doing the nooner? Who's got, you know, and we have a little spreadsheet where we say who's doing it on certain days. And I talk about best to the nest on the nooner on Tuesdays. And <laughs> right. that's what we say, which admittedly it sounds sort of sexual when yes. you say that. And that is what Jay and I would say is, hey, do you have time for a nooner this week? <laughs> I think it's when great. it came to lunchtime. And so I, the other day, put 
nooner on my calendar and I meant to put it on my work calendar, but I put it on my home calendar. <laughs> and so Jay's phone lights up nooner scheduled for oh. Wednesday or whatever because I was filling in. And so I come up the stairs to our shared office space. Right. And he's like, hey, well, hey, hey, how did that land on the calendar then get pulled off the calendar? And I was like, well, I was referencing the noon newscast, oh. not our relationship, which made me think, oh, gosh. I got to put that on the calendar because it certainly delights him and disappoints him when it is taken oh, off the calendar. Oh, that's hysterical. Isn't that that's, funny? That is great. But see, <laughs> just even look at that example of that little bit of a surprise and how yeah. happy it probably made him. It made him. him very happy slash that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to add one to the calendar. I'm going to look there at the calendar go. and I'll add one on there. Right now, right now. <laughs> um, but the writer goes on to say, she said, so this is about designating a night or day or nooner. Um, she said, once a week, we designate a night for sex and make it our number one priority. And when I say sex, I mean any sexual connection from doing a sex worksheet to giving massages to having sex. It's whatever we decided on during the check-in. Sex night is much bigger than the sum of its parts. It's about a safe and consistent space to explore intimacy and maybe have a couple of orgasms along the way. In fact, this sex night has been so successful, we've expanded it to two nights. So what what's cool about that is it's just a guarantee. Yeah. It's a guarantee that something sexual is going to happen yeah. during your week. Which and, I think- all, and again, I mean, let's go back to what the point of it is. It's connection in a relationship. And connection is something that we talk about all the time. It's communication yep. and connection. And those two things are so the key to a happy household. And I don't know if it was in this article or another one that I read that said there, there's been some study that said – Having sex once a week in a partnership is sort of a baseline for a healthy sex life. Mm-hmm. So once a week. Yeah, that feels doable. I mean, yeah, it of. depends, kind of. I mean, we say that, but I remember being really, really tired and once a week wasn't happening during the yeah, baby dude, years. I, yes, but, and frankly, I'm nursing. I mean, if you get a paw near my chestal region, guess what's going to happen? There's milk <laughs> everywhere. I mean, this is just the life I'm living. I don't know what else to tell you. Sorry to everyone who edits this podcast and has to listen to that, but that's what's happening. That's the reality, people. Until you breastfeed, you have no idea what your body is capable of. It's It's capable of the most amazing things. I'm keeping a human being, a full human, alive purely by something that is produced by me. It's still, it shocks. I've done it three times and it shocks me and amazes me every single time. And what amazed what amazed me about breastfeeding was the power of how it would squirt out, spray, like out of control, across the room. I know we have to we stop talking like, about it because I'm gonna then I'm gonna um <laughs> my, that's what happens. I'm like oh. Sorry. Okay. And then finally, (laughs) the author makes the point during sex, we embrace a sex flow. Now, I think this is really interesting. She says, we've also created a loose order of sexual events that we can engage in unless we've discussed otherwise. It's designed with our history and backgrounds in mind and allows us to build up to sex slowly and establish trust and comfort. So again, this this, yeah, what this is coming from like a complex sexual history of people who are working through this together. But I will say, I think that that's true, but I will say also for the 
ebb and flow of life as sex changes, this is important as mm-hmm. well, is to understand what you each enjoy, what you want to do, what your capabilities are that that night, like, or that day or that nooner. Mm-hmm. Like, what people feel like doing changes. And yeah. often, I think people don't communicate about that, probably. Some people don't. Sometimes mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah. And so you need to, if if you need to within your relationship, to be clearer about what that is. And I think these are the things that people don't talk about. The idea of sex flow, that you would over-communicate. Listen to me. That just revealed how I feel about these things, that you would over-communicate. I think somebody who's healthier would say that you communicate about these things before sex. So I think it's I think it's super interesting. It is interesting. And I think understanding understanding the seasons is important. Too giving yourself yeah. a break and but having conversations about it. Now you sold me on this regular check in. I was sort of not into it when you first brought it up, but now I think it probably is a useful thing to do. I mean, little Miss Minute Maximizer. This is just like the greatest way to have communication, sort of I know. in this in this one area once a month. Check it off your list. You love checking stuff off your list. That's true. That being said, I mean, I will read you the text that I sent to Jay last night after I got kind of testy with him about some home things that are going on at our house. Right. And I said, sorry, I'm tired. There's never enough time for me to get everything done. I am running from one thing to the next, which is how I feel right now. Right. You know, it feels like very overwhelming. Turns out full-time job plus three kids is a lot of work. Hello. I'm not sure if everyone is aware of that before they get into it. <laughs> All of a sudden. And I'm almost 40. I'm not a spring chicken. I'm no 25-year-old. I'm aging by the day. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And that sex, that sex meeting once a month may be the Maybe the best meeting you have all month. Maybe it's it will. Let us something know. very fun. This could be a fun conversation on our Best to the Nest um, Facebook group on how often are you talking about sex with your partner? Because listen, if we're not talking about it with our girlfriends, we can just talk about it with each other. It's well, fine. It's really, it's really who you should be talking about it with. Now, here's a, here's a question for you. So when you have your first monthly sexual check-in, yeah. I think it'd be really interesting for all the nesters if you recorded that. <laughs> So much of that is so wrong on so many levels. And if we don't edit that out. What did you say? I said, if we don't edit that out, we're going to, we're going to get a a rating on this podcast. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Oh, there you go. Good stuff, Marjorie. I like it. It was a good talk and it didn't even get too X rated. It's just, we basically were talking about how you should be talking. Exactly. And that's as far as we'll ever go. That's, that's, that's it. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. What do you have for us today, Marjorie Punnett? Well, this one is from Senya, and this is different than our friend Senya. This is another oh, friend, Senya. We know multiple Senyas. How wonderful. I, I love that. She said, highlight of my week. I get so excited when the latest episode drops every Tuesday, listening to Elizabeth and Marjorie's, like chatting with mom friends who truly get it. I can plug in my AirPods and listen in for a little mom time amidst the hustle and bustle of the day as a S-A-H-M. Stay at home mom. And I am embarrassed to say how long it took me to figure out (laughs) what the hell that meant. But anyway, that brings me great joy to think that we are connecting with the stay-at-home moms out there. We love it. And find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home.
To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.